0: there and welcome back to take one the podcast that gives you just one wonderful life-affirming peachy page of talmud a day and today after a long i don't want to say absence i would say well-deserved rest we welcome back our rabbinic supervisor our advisor our rabbi our friend rabbi David bashevkin hello
1: Liel, it is such a joy to be here, even though you keep introducing me in ways that put daggers in my heart. And we got to start with friend. I think that's where it begins. And Can I share something peachy with you? Absolutely. You should know twice this week, people have come up to me and said how lovely this podcast is. People I don't know. And I thought that that was just the peachiest, kindest thing, because especially now, a kind word goes such a long way. And it was just a nice thing to hear.
0: I got to tell you, that makes me so, so happy, and the thing that makes me happiest about it is that we have managed to share with other people our own passion for just what an incredibly restorative, life-affirming force. This one page, just one page of Talmud a day could be, especially as we're all locked up and, and prone to so much anxiety and uncertainty, so amen, Salah.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: And so today we read uh, DAF 52 in Masechet Shabbat. And I stumbled, as, as I often do, on, on this one kind of quick exchange that suggested to me that it contained multitudes and, and deserved its own exploration and explication. I'll read it first in Hebrew because it's short, then in English. megalila Shamati shecholkin <in> bentabad <Hebrew> letabad. lo, shabbat. It was taught in the Tosefta. A certain disciple from the Upper Galilee asked Rabbi Eliezer, I heard that one distinguishes between one type of ring and another type of ring. However, I do not know with regard to what halacha this distinction is made. Rabbi Eliezer said to him, perhaps he only heard that distinction with regard to the matter of Shabbat. A ring for adornment may be moved on Shabbat and other rings may not. As with regard to the matter of ritual impurity, this ring and that ring are one and the same, and there is no distinction between them. And then, of course, the Gemara goes on to discuss ritual impurity at, at some length, as the is want to do. But I kind of love this distinction between ring. There's one ring for, first of all, as a huge dorky fan of Lord of the Rings, you know, the nature of rings is very curious to me. But I love how it says, you know, a ring for adornment is one thing and other rings may not be. What's the deal with rings?
1: So you could really write an entire book on both the sociology of rings, particularly in the Jewish community, and the halachos, the rings in Jewish law. You know, I'll start quickly with in Jewish law, rings are unique as opposed to like a belt buckle or a clasp. A ring that goes on your finger is uniquely susceptible to the laws of ritual impurity. And we're not going to talk about this now, but know that there's a famous – Ingenious, probably if we were to make a list of the wildest loopholes that were ever created in the history of Jewish law, number one would probably be selling your chametz to a non-Jew before Passover, that's a big one, but one of the most wild loopholes has to do with the laws of ritual impurity for a ring in order to save and allow doctors to go to medical school that was invented by Rivgorin. Uh, it's super controversial and it would require uh, far more than the time that we have, but you should know that that's out there
0: tell me could you say something in a word what what is it or is that too complicated?
1: Yeah, there's an issue that Kohanim, a Kohain, is prohibited from becoming ritually impure. So it's a question: What happens if a Kohan wants to become a doctor and then operate and deal with cadavers? So Rav Goren came up with this brilliant loophole that a lot of people don't like. I mean, Rav Goren, uh, who was the Chief Rabbi of Israel, uh, had a lot of controversies surrounding him, but he had this brilliant idea that they should. Wear wedding rings, uh, or or you know, wear a metal ring, and that way, stringing together a few other ideas will make them ritually impure in a permissible way, even before they enter the school. So it goes down, and I'm a big fan of listicles, and nobody asked for a listicle of the top five best Jewish loopholes. But if we're one to ask for such a listicle, that should absolutely be on there.
0: And so this is incredibly fascinating. I think this is a listicle that needs to happen right now. Get busy after <laughs> Nobody Shabbos. Nobody
1: wants this listicle. It, it's, it's very yeah. Talmudic and dense,
0: but but it's a lot of fun. So take us briefly through this business of rings and, and maybe begin by telling us, do you wear one? So it's so interesting. When I read this passage,
1: that's the first thing that came to mind for me because I don't wear a wedding ring. My father does not wear a wedding ring. Kind of like the sociology, maybe it's in the in certain segments of the orthodox community. We just never grew up wearing rings. My grandfather, who was a rabbi in Portland, Maine, did wear a wedding ring. And I feel like my generation, a lot of my friends don't, and it's a, it's a perpetual fight with my wife. My wife would have wanted me to wear one, probably because she grew up and her father wear ones. And, like, I guess if you watch like soap operas or like rom coms, then, like, the act of like taking off your ring and the salaciousness and the nervousness of like, you know, people aren't gonna know you're married. I'm like, Tova, which is my wife's name, I'm like people know that I'm married. You don't have to worry. The crowds that I'm hanging out with, in, it's, you know, it's,
0: it's well known. But hold on, so is the business of not wearing a ring? Does it come from some kind of vestigial discussion of the purity and impurity matters in the times of the of the rabbis?
1: I don't think it relates as much to the purity-impurity discussion. For me, you know, it's a nice solace that I'm like, okay, I can avoid some of the impurity. But that's only something I would tell my wife to to kind of uh, fight back against her her arguments because this is something we continue with and she's kind of left speechless that I'm invoking the laws of impurity in a, in a marital conversation. But uh, I guess it's kind of like a question of whether or not sociologically this is an object that men typically wear. I think it's a, it's a gender question for me. And it's a question of just like what I think looks good on me. I, I didn't grow up with a father who wore one. He was a doctor, I guess he was covering his hands all the time, be annoying to take it on and off. Um, and I don't wear one. And I feel like what I just said now is going to get a lot of angry responses. Did I just get myself into a great deal of trouble by 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 sharing that?
0: I think by now our listeners are ready and forgiving. But to get back to Rabbi Ezer and that one certain nameless student from the upper galilee is there any other kind of greater significance to the different kind of rings that you could that you could explain to us in less than 4 days of talmudic discussion
1: yes well there is a distinction of what type of ring um, will necessarily require ritual impurity, whether it has a big signet on it, like those sweet college rings, or if you watched Uncut Gems, and that sweet Kevin (laughs) Garnett ring, that definitely is even more strict. But the real place where uh, the laws of rings comes into place all the time for those who wear them, men and women, is the question of when you wash your hands, whether or not you wash them before bread, or when you wake up in the morning, Do you have to take your ring off? And if you look closely at people who are careful about washing their hands, nearly all of them have mastered the very quick pull off the ring and where do they place it? Most women that I've seen do this, I haven't looked as closely to the men, they don't place it on the counter because they're nervous it's going to fall into the sink. They place it in their mouths in their mouth which is you know not ritual impurity but a little bit gross but that's what my sisters and my wife that's what they all do
0: rabbi bashevkin as always a fascinating discussion on an item i've never thought i would give any thought to thank you so much such
1: a pleasure to speak with you as always
0: this has been take one a production of tablet magazine if you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes, Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash one. Or email us at take at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.